Check, check, check. One, two, one, two. How's everybody doing out there? This is Craddy with Live and Direct. Thanks for listening. Today I talked to Jeff Reich, otherwise known as Stylist Beats. He's a DJ and a producer who came up in the hip-hop world as a turntablist. And now he's making his way in the EDM world. He's got a pretty interesting perspective on the whole thing. Check it out. Stylist Beats on Live and Direct. How you doing? Good, brother. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Where are you right now? I'm back in my uh, place in San Francisco here, just on break in between the uh, Midwest tour I'm doing with Buku. Cool. How's that tour been going? Uh, it's been really awesome. The highlight of last week was uh, uh, Fayetteville. was really dope. Fun little college town. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a really good show. Where'd you play? Uh, George's Majestic, which is a real classic, big, um, big theater near the, uh, the university there. That's great. That's excellent. So how long have you been in San Francisco? Uh, just a little over three years now. Okay. But you grew up in Vancouver, right? Yeah. Nice. And, um, were you doing music when you were growing up? Yeah, totally. I was um I was into like hip hop DJing and stuff um at the end of high school and stuff like that when I first got turntables. And then I really got into the um production sides of things for hip hop. So um I ended up running one of the biggest uh, hip hop recording studios out there. So me and my buddy did that one and just spent the next 5 years doing recording and producing albums and stuff like that. Cool. Did you did you play instruments when you were growing up? Yeah, I played a few instruments. I played guitar and piano and meddled with trumpet and stuff like that. I never followed through with one super heavy, but just kind of tinkering everywhere. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. And were you doing little recordings? Like, did you have a little four-track you were doing mini recordings on or anything? Uh, no, we actually had a full, like, Pro Tools um, 888 TDM rig back in the days. Like, oh, this is... Okay, so you didn't play instruments when you were, like, a little kid. This was later on yeah that that was later on i guess no i didn't do many recordings when i was a kid my my bro was in a rad band and he's really what got me stoked into music and following that path oh cool what was the what was the hip-hop you were listening to like what were you getting into that was speaking your interest that made you want to be a dj i mean it was kind of like the golden era of hip-hop then it was like 93 to you know 2000s where it was like the tribe called quest the wu-tang you know, so many good, the Jay-Z's, stuff like that. Yeah, 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 for sure. And you still, I mean, I'm sure you're still a hip-hop fan, yeah? Yeah, big time. And I still What are like, you into these days? Um, These days I'm really digging uh, Joey Badass. Um, what else have I been rocking? Oh, yeah, definitely uh, Run the Jewels. Oh, yeah. LP and Killer Mike um, from Atlanta and New York. Both their last projects have been super awesome, so I've been really enjoying that. Nice. Yeah. There's so, this kid out here in uh, Oakland called A1 that I've been digging a lot lately, too. He's really dope. What's his name? A1. A1. Out of Oakland. A1. Okay. Cool. So you like more like the grittier kind of East Coast vibe. Well, I think I just like the more, you know, pure raw hip-hop vibe than kind of these singy, made-for-radio kind of jams that have been taking over the airwaves lately. Yeah, for a long time, right? Yeah, for a long time. What was your first... Sorry, go ahead. Uh, That's kind of why I moved into the electronic stuff more in 2008, because the hip-hop stuff that was coming out just wasn't piquing my interest at all. And uh, a rapper I was working with from Vancouver Emotions put me onto the dubstep stuff, and he's like, "Yo, we need to make a dubstep tune for my album." And the album was kind of danceable, but it wasn't like super current EDM. And then we made a dubstep tune, and that ended up being the biggest one on the album and during all our live shows and on tour and stuff. So, wow, that's great! Your first song turned out to be this is, and it was your first time writing dubstep style music. Yeah, definitely. 
definitely. I didn't even know about LFOs and stuff like that. I was just like, <laughs> plugging, plugging in the wobbles and stuff like that. It's pretty so funny before your production was like very like hip hop based, and you were just making beats, or were you playing out too? Definitely, I was more making beats for uh, different artists in Canada and the states, and then um, my buddy, same dude, Emotions, had um, a running hip hop night that I would always DJ at once a week, kind of thing. So. And we were into the battle scene as well, the KOTDs and stuff like that. What's KOTD? KOTD is a rap battle league called King of the Dot. It's actually out of Toronto. And then there's a, a sub, similar big platform, one called URL out of New York. So we would always sit around and watch rap battles and stuff like that. <laughs> Was that the first time you saw a DJ? Uh, no, actually, like, I went to my first rave when I was um, maybe 16 or 17. I got dragged by some of my brother's older friends, and uh, the first DJ I ever saw kind of like that was Bad Boy Bill, and he blew me away. I was like, damn, I want to do that. <laughs> was it the first time you saw it right away? It clicked for you? You felt like, okay, this is what I want to do? Um, yeah, I think so. I always wanted to do something in music, and I knew I wasn't much of a writer as far as like rap and and songwriting wise but i knew i was always into the music and stuff like that so i kind of fell in as a producer dj i thought would be my best kind of you know way i could get into the music scene yeah 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 so then the studio all in studios were you the owner of the studio you and your friend yeah uh it started as sas studios which was me and my friend uh latif Tayer. And then uh, he ended up getting a rad gig in New York and um, moved out of town for a while. And uh, I kind of took over the studio, and that's when it became All In Studios. And that ran for about six years after that. Nice, nice. You're doing mostly hip-hop type stuff? Yeah, we do a lot of R&B, hip-hop, even some rock projects and stuff like that. But my my passion projects were always hip-hop-driven ones and a few kind of surf rock ones as well. Nice. Yeah, so I read that you were a surfer. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, getting back into it, for sure. <laughs> Did you grow up surfing in Vancouver? No, there's not many places to surf in Canada except for the island. And yeah, it's really and it's cold, yeah. So I would go places like, I guess I traveled um, Australia in 2000 after after high school. And uh, I surfed down there a bunch. And then my buddy was working at a surf camp in San Diego as well in around 2003. So I spent like half a summer out there. And I just kind of hobby it. I'm not a crazy surfer or anything, but I just like getting out there and enjoying the calmness on the waves. Yeah, most definitely. Have you been surfing out in San Francisco since you've been there? Yeah, I just got aboard um, about six months ago. And I've been going out to Pacifica a bunch which is a cool little spot about 20 minutes south of San Francisco here. Pretty close. Yeah. Perhaps. That's pretty much where I learned the surf, actually. It's a great spot. Oh, really good. Hell yeah, by the uh, Taco Bell there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that Taco Bell is like a Frank Lloyd Wright building. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. It's like a national, it's like a, um, you know, they can't tear it down or, or move it or do anything with it. <clears throat> it's like yeah, a, a protected a, building. Taco Bells in North America. So. <laughs> and yeah. You know. Nice, nice. So, when did you decide to like come out as an artist and start putting out your own music and like really, you know, not not really be the behind the scenes guy? Yeah, I was. Um, I guess it was really around that time that we did. We were touring uh, Emotions Kush album when we did that dubstep tune together. You were you were his yeah. DJ on the tour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I just kind of started my own SoundCloud and did a a few remixes of big hip hop tunes, and they really took off real fast. And you would play him at the show, and he would just kind of rap along. Yeah, yeah, we would be playing mainly his instrumentals. It was more his rap show, and then as the kind of EDM wave hit in, it kind of morphed into you know half of the set was me playing the heavier stuff and and then half of the set was him doing his rap stuff and then we did oh, okay. more like a variety hour and then um 
I moved down to the States and started doing a lot more solo gigs and uh, kind of branched off as my own artist. But I was still doing that in Canada for a good three years before I moved down here. Just playing local smaller shows around uh, Vancouver and whatnot? Yeah, Vancouver and kind of the west coast of of Canada, like Calgary, Edmonton, and the Saskatoon, stuff like that. Sure. I played in Saskatoon, actually. That's hilarious. I just love that name of that town, Saskatoon. (laughs) Yeah, there's some funny ones out there for sure. (laughs) So um, what was was your first release? Uh, My first release was called Lookout. Okay. It was a Montreal record label called uh, Monkey Dub, and it was four tunes. Um, some were heavy, some were kind of Zed Dead esque at the time, a little like mellower and more tonal. But yeah, that that one was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and since then, I think you have one release between that one and your newest one. Is that right? Yeah, um, my 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 first, what I call my debut album, was pretty much um, the RYFSO one, which was okay. a full. Uh, you know, 12 song project. And that's been kind of how I've been liking to drop this stuff. I'm not very good at two song or four song EPs because my style varies so, so much throughout that I'd, I'd rather have a coherent kind of 12 song project. So I feel like I've done two full albums that I can call my own kind of thing. Yeah, right. Well, I was going to ask you a couple things. One is the RFSYO, rip your fucking sleeves off, right? Yeah, R-Y-F-S-O, yeah. Oh, yeah, I did it wrong, but um, what what is what does that come from? Um, that actually came from me and a childhood friend, my, my friend uh, Aaron Mallon. We would, like, you know, be skateboarding and, like, too scared to jump down a six stair and do a kickflip at the same time, and you'd just be like, oh, just fucking rip your sleeves off, just go do it, or, you know, you're kind of at a, at a house party and you're too scared to talk to a chick it's just like oh rip your sleeves off to do it i don't know how it came about exactly but that's what we'd always say to each other oh nice i like that it became a mantra for me just to go out and do stuff have fun nice and it's sort of become the the theme of your of style of speech yeah yeah it's it's definitely an unofficial tag for style of speech for sure yeah 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 and it's pretty much people do they rip my sleeves off at shows if I'm wearing them and or they do it to their friends and I get a bunch of messages saying, Oh, my buddy ripped my favorite shirt while we were at your show and <laughs> fun. <laughs> That's funny 'cause I don't I, I mean, from what it sounds like you and your friend did never actually rip your sleeves off. It was like a turn of phrase, you know, like Yeah, it was, it's definitely more of a term. When it becomes literally literal people get pissed off sometimes. But it's that's funny. Of course, people take it literally, though. I mean, you know. It's, yeah, um, totally. I got it good at Burning Man a couple of years ago. They just, like, four people just held me down while I was playing on stage and ripped the sleeves off. So it was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So you uh, had that release, and then your newest one is Heat Rocks. Is that right? That's right, yeah. Yeah, and that album really does. Uh, I mean, I hear what you're saying about your sound. You definitely... Um, have all different styles going on. Um, do you feel like in the um, EDM world where there's um, sounds are kind of defining? How does it does it feel like? Are you ever when you're putting this stuff out like, oh, this is too varied, this is too different, um, this is like it doesn't, it's not cohesive enough or anything? Yeah, I know. I'm sure a lot of people would kind of have those thoughts when they're releasing albums or music is diverse but that's kind of always been my thing I never want to stick to one genre or like wake up in the morning and say hey I have to make the heaviest club banger the festival trap tune of the day today right kind of sit and let the music kind of take me where I want to go and then hopefully I have a cohesive project at the end of it I think the new album does flow pretty good front to back even though there are so many different genres I definitely like apply my certain style to the genres and I'm not just copying what the best person of the genre is doing but just kind of using the tempos using the drums and the different rhythms and stuff like that and applying it to my own sound 
Yeah, well, that brings me right to what I was just going to ask you, actually. Like, how do you define your sound when people ask you what's, what kind of music you play? Uh, I mean, that's really tough. Um, I'm definitely pretty uh, melody-driven. I like my stuff to always have pretty deep melodies, and I do have a signature kind of chord changeover that's hard to describe in an interview, but it's it's kind of like how I turn around each four bars or each eight bars has a similar vibe kind of thing. And just heavy hip-hop drums on everything. Right. And have you written any, like, four-on-the-floor type stuff? Yeah, actually, there's there's one on the new album, which is the first house one I've put out called He's a Gangster, which is kind of uh, similar to the what's going on in the G-House movement. And I do have a, a kind of a secret sneaky project coming out called Jump Kicks that's all four on the floor. Oh, really? Is that just something you're doing on your own? Uh, no, it's with uh, it's with another producer, Shinji. Nice. Who I also grew up with in Vancouver with, and we've done some remixes that are on my SoundCloud over the days. The uh, Lido, or, no, Dido one and Alana Del Rey one that got a lot of good traction. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's great. So he's been uh, one of my homies and, like, my crew of friends for the longest time. So we really work together well. And it's a house project, is that what you said? It is. It's like a G-House project. It still still has a lot of hip-hop roots and, and vocals that are pretty funny. So he, he's helping me mold that. I didn't, I'm not that familiar with the house sounds going on. So he's been a big help of helping it sound current and stuff like that. Yeah, how is that moving from, like, a hip-hop sound to a house sound? Do you find there's, like, a lot of commonality, or is it totally different? It's, you know, it's totally different, to tell you the truth. You know, there's no... I come from a, you know, eight-bar intro, and then maybe a vocal hook for eight bars, and then this and that, where it's not, like, a minute-and-a-half intro without drums, like, kind of kills me personally, but it's kind of, you know, how you have to do it when they're doing these five, six-minute mixes between tunes and stuff like that. So it's mainly the arrangement that's really different. And things like using just an up hi-hat is the only thing that's changing in the next, you know, minute of the song. But it actually makes a big difference kind of thing. So learning the different intricacies like that. And so um, have you DJed any house music out? Um, I have... uh, played a few little house sections at different festivals and at my record release party so I could play the He's a Gangster tune. So uh, never, no full house sets, but little sections in the sets that I've done before. Only in certain spots, though. Yeah, I'm so interested in that because I feel like a lot of DJs are doing, um, crossing over and doing lots of side projects these days. And also, I feel like when I came up DJing, there was almost like this um, battle between broken beat and four on the floor. Right. So, yeah. you know, one side was like hip hop and drum and bass and break beat. And then the other side was, you know, house and trance and all that kind yeah. of stuff. And, um, but I see now more, there's, there's way more crossover and it's not really seen as this, uh, line in the sand or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think a lot of the new house stuff is really relying on halftime breaks in their tunes too. So that really helps kind of put it in the dubstep vein of things a lot more. It's not 4-4 four, four, four for the whole tune. It'll have, you know, if you're at 122, it'll drop down to 51 for a section and stuff like that. And that might be the coolest section of the tune. I've noticed that with some of the new G-House stuff. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. You're talking about the section where it almost it's like a house tune, but then it drops into like a halftime trap beat, basically. Exactly. And that's basically how um, how Trap was created when Flostradamus did that. Uh, what was that tune? Um, I'd have to look it up to figure out the I'm name. I'm not sure. It was, like, it was a 140 BPM guy. It was their biggest tune for a while. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I heard a lot of Trap-style stuff in um, old hip-hop, you know. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely all the southern hip-hop. and. The yeah, the southern hip-hop. Yeah. 
even 97, 98, they were doing that sound. Yeah, and a lot of Oakland hip-hop was doing that stuff, too. For sure. For sure, but I think the electronic trap really came through when Floss, they were doing yeah. one for the Tech House tune, and then it dropped into this um, this halftime one and just was crazy. I remember my buddy gave it to me the day before tour, and... Uh, and that was the biggest tune of the the whole tour. No one had really heard that sound before, and it went nuts. Right. That's so awesome when you have a track and you just know it's going to kill every time. Yeah, totally. It's a good feeling. Uh-huh. So in this whole world, this EDM world that you're in, it's, you know, it's so huge. I saw some article today about if, is EDM dead? You know, now, like, they have the way pop stars are created, they're creating DJs. Um, yeah. And, um, like, how do you, how do you stand out? How do you set yourself apart? Um, well, first of all, I think it's a good thing that, that labels are starting to pick it up. I was definitely in the music industry when we were dealing with labels and stuff like that. And there was a lot more people on board and having bigger teams, like when you're signing an artist to a major label and stuff like that. So it's great to see that support. Um, as far as how to get noticed to do that stuff, I think it's just, you know, grinding away at shows and making sure your social media is on point and relevant. And you're not just posting memes and dumb stuff and getting people really attracted to you as a brand, you know, by having slogans and by having vibes. Like, um, my kind of alternate Silas Beats logo is a cat, so I know, like, a lot of cat lovers have found me like that or, like, connected with me like that because I love cats as well, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I think putting your personalities out there, you know, because we're not really selling the music anymore. My whole 12-song album was a free release. You know, I spent a year and a half working on that and gave it away free, but, you know, it'll generate interest for the shows and stuff like that, so that's pretty much how we're doing it and you know it's not like music videos are going to blow you up anymore you know you have to physically search for the music video on youtube rather than watching a rap city or you know the you know the much music channels and stuff like that yeah how do you feel about that that you like what you just said i thought was so telling you you worked on this album for a year and a half and you put it out free and you make zero dollars on it, although you, like you said, you generate interest for shows, but that's, um, you know, that's what you're, you got your fingers crossed, but, um, you know, how about, what What do you think about that system? Well, I think um, I'm just happy to get it out to, to as many hands as possible. You know, our EDM scene is so saturated, you know, with talented producers and new music coming out every day and stuff like that, you know, it's hard, like, as long as the music is well-received and, you know, it gets to enough people, then uh, I can walk away from it happy than rather than seeing a dollar from every download or whatever, you know. But do you feel like, I mean, think about, you know, bands back in the day or, you know, even smaller bands, at least when you put music out, you knew you were going to get money for it. I mean, do you feel like it devalues the music? Uh-huh. Yeah, I actually do think it definitely devalues the music. And I think... Because you, like, uh, you worked in a studio, so you were kind of, like you said, you were part of the, the older label system where, yeah, it was fucked up because the labels would manipulate people, but people were getting paid for, for music sales. And now nobody gets paid for music sales. They're really not very much. It's true. I remember when we were celebrating distribution deals, which means your album would get into the different record stores that existed at the time. And now you can go to iTunes and get a distribution deal for 69 bucks a year. Whereas before you'd have to grind for, you know, five years and put together a successful demo and, you know, all these things to get your album in the right places. And uh, now you can just, any artist can pay a certain you know, yearly fee and get on the biggest platforms where they are selling music like iTunes and stuff like that. I think the fault of what's been going on is we haven't figured out a quick, easy way to pay for music. You know what I mean? Kids don't have credit cards. iTunes doesn't make it that easy to buy music all the time. There's so many 
different regulations, what devices it can go on, stuff like that. You know, I think if music was sold more kind of like how iPhone apps work, where you just like put in, you know, whatever uh, password you have, and then it goes directly to an account and you're not filling out all these forms all the time. Or, you know, just a smarter paying system. So that artist or like Bandcamp, I think, is the the closest one that's done very well. That's where I send spell or... um. Sorry, that's where I uh, sell most of my music is on Bandcamp. Because so do you have a donation set up that people can donate money if they want to? Yeah, it basically directs them right to the Bandcamp, and that's where I take all any donations that are given for my music and stuff like that. And how, I'm just curious, if you don't mind asking, how have you done on donations as far as Heat Rock since it's come out? Um, I actually haven't checked it. But because uh, I turn off the notification emails because it gets a little crazy every time someone buys things, you get free emails. But uh, I think it's doing pretty well. I'd have to check it for sure, though. What would you guess it's at? Um, I mean, we've done... I guess it's it's definitely under a 1,000. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That's pretty good, though. I mean, I'm just curious what you thought it was at because, um, you know, the donation-based releases are always. Um, I mean, because I, as a consumer and a person who makes music, you know, I like to pay for it, um, and I like uh, to it if I'm going to get it. Um, and I just wonder whether other people have that same feeling, you know. Definitely. Well, we didn't really um, market the band camp. That's kind of just a side thing. You know, most of the, all the uh, traffic was directed to, um, you know, my SoundCloud, which directs you to a free download on my website. So we didn't really direct anyone there either, although that would probably been helpful. And I think that's what we'll do for um, Fleetwood's Records, you know, compilation releases in the future and stuff like that is send more people to the Bandcamp. Because I do find the Bandcamp community really does support their artists. And there's lots of people who want to pay for the music and they make it nice and easy, name your price, you know, very nonchalant, if that's the right word, I'm not sure. But <laughs> Yeah, I think I know what you mean, you know, they just, they just make it simple, it's not complicated, it's, uh, you just go in there, you put in how many dollars you want to give and you press return and you download your album exactly. or your songs yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Nice. So when do you head off on tour again with Buku? Uh, I'm back off on tour tomorrow. We're doing Milwaukee. And then uh, Friday we're doing the Infrasound Equinox Festival out in Wisconsin. Are you guys just flying out for every show? Uh, What we've been doing is uh, flying to the first gig, renting a car, and then driving in between the stops. Uh, the routing our our agent made was quite nice, so there hasn't been any anything longer than three hour drives between the stops. Nice. How many people are uh, in the whole crew there? All everyone together? That's uh, just me and Rob. Oh, really? And Man Army, yeah. <laughs> cool. So you guys are just heading out, just doing it, conquering uh, city after city. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Um, He's doing a big kind of fall tour, and uh, and uh, I'm I'm joining along for the Midwest sections and the East Coast sections because I really want to build some new markets out there. So we're doing Chicago and Grand Rapids on Saturday and Sunday too. So cool, that's great. Well, let's um get all your plugs out there. You're on. Let's see. Your Facebook is Stylist Beats. S T Y L U S T and it's the same thing on SoundCloud is that right? yeah pretty much across the board Instagram, SoundCloud uh, Facebook Twitter all those good things cool and your album Heat Rocks just came out right like a week ago right? yeah it came out um, uh, what was it yeah uh, September 20th it came out August 20th, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and we cool. kind of, we did a, a promo thing called the 12 Days of Heat Rocks where we released one tune a day 
and um, and then gave it all away free uh, 12 days later. So it basically came out September 1st for free for everyone kind of thing. Nice, yeah. And everything and all your music is donation based, right? If you go to your band camp, you can find um, not just this album, but all your other albums and all your other releases, right? And there's some yeah, mixes too, some uh, live mixes of you at Shambhala, I think. Yeah, I love doing the mixtapes. Um, I try and do at least one or two mixtapes a year and release one or two live sets a year. So uh, definitely Shambhala is the big one, and they record it so well, so I like putting that one out. Nice. Excellent. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for talking to me, Jeff. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure, dude. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah, no doubt. All right, that was Stylist Beats. We are going to give you a little treat right now. We've got his new album that we're going to play about seven tracks of. So don't tune away. Here's Stylist Beats' new album, Heat Rocks. We set the city on fire, set the city on fire, set the city on fire. That's what we do, huh? We set the city on fire, set the city on fire, set the city on fire. That's what we do, huh? We set the city on fire, set the city on fire, set the city on fire. That's what we do, huh? We set the city on fire, set the city on fire, set the city on fire. That's what we do, huh? We set the city on fire, set the city on fire, set the city on fire. That's what we do, huh? 
Feeling like Rick James, whole city like Rick James. Everybody is Rick James, whole party like Rick James. Y'all be feeling like Rick James, whole city like Rick James. Everybody is Rick James, whole party like Rick James. Y'all be feeling like Rick James, whole city like Rick James. Y'all be feeling like Rick James. Every single person in the party feeling Rick James. Going to the future, man. Getting out of civil DeLorean with my hooligans. Hanging by the pool with a hooker, man. Nigga, women everywhere. They trying to get a booty tan. I do my thing like I'm booty tang. Girls all around. That's an Eddie Murphy boomerang. Feeling like a Superman with a scooper gang. Face on the titties like the owls up in Hooters, man. Half harmonious, half boogie man. Off the 
rollin' Jimmy Flash, look a man Pimp the shit and flip the script And get a bit of spittin' razz up on my slick Rick tip I'm like, Listen up, you crumbs The ladies lookin' crazy, how to shake their bums They say the music playin' got them shaking their rums But that's whatever's where the motion silver style is Get the room feelin' fabulous But some suckers still can't find happiness I try to tell a bad vibes to just hazardous And then we toss them out the party like Jazzy Jeff and say Got me feeling like Rick James I'm feeling like Rick James Everybody is Rick James Whole party like Rick James Got me feeling like Rick James Whole city like Rick James Got me feeling like Rick James Every single person in the party feeling Rick James Feeling like Rick James I've been face planting drinks for six days. six days Sipping malt liquor on a quick break Got a girl scout cookie kush for the entire Wino when I sip grapes Bumpin' vino and some mixtapes Movin' spinos to a sick crate Y'all be seeing spirals if you fixate Basketball size hash pals to light dip Astronauts might see from satellites No afterthoughts, it's fun and better life Feel after short scratch on We get it like, get it like Got me feeling like Rick James I'm feeling like Rick James Everybody is Rick James Whole party like Rick James Got me feeling like Rick James Whole city like Rick James Got me feeling like Rick James Every single person in the party feeling Rick James
commentators and they said false shit all cosmic smart
All right, that's it for Live and Direct this week. Thanks for listening. More interviews coming next week on Adobe Radio. Until then, this is Craddy signing off.